Listener Production. Shares, Market. the S&P, the ISX stocks. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that, like interest rates, just keeps going up. I'm Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool. He is Andrew Page Esquire, if you don't mind, the founder, managing director of strawman.com. Mr. Page, g'day. G'day, g'day. How are things? Mate, well, <laughs> depends who you're asking. It's a uh, interesting old week on the economy, isn't it? Uh, it is, yeah, yeah. Lots of uh, lots of data to digest and yeah. uh, a myriad of ways to interpret it. And kind of pointy-endy kind of data too, right? Like there's, uh, I mean, you know, every every move is a move further away from something, I guess. But mm. uh, this is the 12th rate rise in, is it 14 months? I think it's the 12th out of 13 meetings because they had January yeah. off. Uh, a lot going on, mate. I guess just set the scene though. Uh, just a quick one. Um, what's Strawman? <laughs> uh, a private online investment club. Do you like how I did that? I'll have you know. Do you like how I did that? I, I, I am go. surprised. I'm, I'm fascinated. Uh, you'll have to tell us more about it another time, mate, given you've only mentioned it once, this, this, this once. Uh, <laughs> mate, um, let's get back to that. Uh, I, I guess I'm just thinking, you know, pointy end in the sense that interest rates now above 4%. GDP mm. for the quarter was plus 0.2%. Uh, realistically, the ABS is very good, the Bureau of Statistics, but I'm also going to say that there's not miles away from 0.2 and 0 when you think about sampling error and all that kind of stuff. Again, well, I'm not, not casting aspersions, but th- the reality is that those sort of levels there, you know, the precision is not as good as we would otherwise like to believe. And negative on a per capita basis. That I was going to get to in a minute. Let's, um, let's go back to rates and we'll come forward to GDP. 4.1%. Um, I think... If you'd asked people, even 12 months ago, how high rates would go before things flattened out, I don't think many people would have said four point anything. Mm. Uh, I am not sure. I'm not even on the record of having said, look, at some point, the RBA is going to have to stop because they're going to cause too much grief. And I, I guess I, I don't know if I was ever asked. I don't do predictions. So I probably didn't give an answer. But I don't think I would have thought they would go above four. I, I, you know, given they started when rates were at 2%, you get a, very, a fixed loan, sorry, for 1.89 at one point. I don't think I expected this. And, and there are now prognosticators, predictors, and we should take those with the appropriate doses of large amounts of salt. But Yeah, fool anyway. me 12 times. <laughs> Shame <laughs> on you. Exactly. <laughs> but there's now you know somewhere between one and three more rate rises being reported in, in Thursday mornings. AFR, we're recording this on Thursday, as we generally do. Um, there's a possibly a way to go, mate. I was on record, I think, on this very pod towards okay. the start of the year as saying that Look, I don't know when it peaks, but I was of the view, I think mm. I still am of the view that it rolls over towards the end of the year. And yeah, right. um, pretty much because the, the, the MO of, of central banks tend to be just, you know, do 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 it until something breaks. Yeah. And it's kind of like it, it, it's there's a carelessness uh, and a, a brutality to that, but it's also mm. the point. Yes, um, yes, that's right. <laughs> no, I mean, that's, would, that's, the, that's the very real truth, right? Let's let's be honest about this stuff. There is, they there has to be consequences. <laughs> you and I had a massive rant off air, which we may, we may come back to, uh, including yeah. including the comment about consequences. But that that you can't slow economic activity without slowing economic activity. That that's kind of exactly the point. They don't do it. They, it's, I mean, it's never done. It's not a um, fine operation with a scalpel, right? Yeah. It's sort of it's brain surgery with a hammer type stuff. <laughs> so it's like I think in retrospect, we, we, we're always able to sort of say, well, you should have stopped yeah. sooner or you should have only done it to this degree, et cetera, That's et cetera. True. Yeah. So, so I, think, I think, look, the elephant in the room, I know mm. my favorite hobby horse is it's just property, <laughs> right? And household yeah. debt. And yeah. it's all there. And it's just like they're – they're desperately they, – they basically said when Phil Lowe spoke um, today uh, earlier this week was basically, mm. look, basically we just need to get it back to 2 to 3% and we're going to do whatever it takes, right? Yep. And if that means, you know, lifting unemployment, if that means pushing a lot of people to the wall, they will. They'll do it, right? And so I've got a lot of problems with that as we sort of discussed uh, previously. But <laughs> yeah. I get I – get, we've also – this is also happening um, in the face of the mortgage cliff with – which has been well reported. So that's really just at the peak now. Like yeah. that's in the, in the coming months, we're really going to see lots of fixed rate mortgages roll over and they're mm. going to go from very low rates to very high rates in one fell swoop. Yeah. And I, I feel as though, yeah, something not, you've got to be careful when you, when you say break, it's not like we're all going back to the stone age, but I, I suspect yeah. there'll be a, a lot of pain for a lot of people. A lot of people, Talking about credibly, certainly in the US, but also here now too, mm-hmm. the, the R word, uh, uh, yes. recession. Yes. And I think I think when they create 
this recession. And, and I know you can argue that that's probably what you want to create as opposed to have inflation where we're all paying $20 for a loaf of bread. Yeah. So, I, so, I, so I do get it. But at that point, they will, they will stop raising and then they will go back into a, a cutting cycle. I'm, I'm almost sure of it. And, and the difference these days as opposed to the last recession is that household debt levels are so high you don't need to go up to 18% yes, or whatever exactly. to have an impact. Exactly. You know, you want, you're, we're 4.1% and people are already like pulling their hair out. And it's like, yeah, exactly. I imagine, can you imagine five or 6%? I just, I don't think it gets, mm-hmm. I've got to caveat all of this because please don't, if you're listening to this in the future, please recognize I'm really hyper aware there's no predictive power on that. But thumb yeah. suck, you know, armchair sort of uh, observation is that I, I feel mm-hmm. as though that's what's going to happen, um, and yeah, you need you need you need to prepare for it. Yeah. Yes, um, and that is a very good summary, I think, of where we've got to, mate. The it's funny that the RBA has been saying whatever it takes for twelve months, and a lot of people are going, oh, oh, they actually mean whatever it takes. Like, no, no, they they always meant that. You know, there, there is there is some. I think I think it's like you know, it's, funnily enough, and this is this is there's some irony here. Uh, it's a bit like the RBA itself. You know, the RBA kind of hoped everything would be okay and hoped inflation would be transitory and hoped things wouldn't get too bad. And they did. It was like, oh, bugger. All right, now we've actually, you know, we, we just wanted, we wanted to believe, right? It's the old X-Files thing. We just wanted to believe. And then once they started to move, the, 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 the want to believe thing moved from the RBA to the rest of us where we all went, I mean, I mean, sure they won't do too much. I mean, you know, maybe it'll only be a short increase and maybe, you know, maybe they'll, they'll realize they're going to make some, you know, cause some pain here. And of course they're going you know, to do what they can to not do X, Y, and Z. And then 12 months later, we're looking going, mm-hmm. okay, we were wrong about that too. And they're still saying, by the way, whatever it takes, they, they, mm-hmm. they, they very, very, very clearly see inflation as enemy number one and controlling inflation, they believe, is far, far more important than a short-term recession. And that, that is, we, we can argue about that and we can argue about, and I will actually uh, talk to you about that in a second or ask you a question about that. Mm. But they, they've been very clear. This is not, you know, if, if, if Treasury wants to change the mandate, now's the time. Because if you don't, they are going to do what they believe is the right thing to do, which is do what they can to get inflation back under control. Two to three mm. percent is the, is the target. Now, Phil Lowe said this week he thinks it'll be a couple of years. So he's clearly not going to raise rates until we get there. Mm. But he's going to raise rates until he believes the inflationary pressures are on the way down rather than flat or potentially back up. And this is why it's important. It comes on the, on the back of last week's increase to inflation of 63 to 6.8% month on month. Um, that's, you know, in that kind of circumstance, I, I was of the view, man, I don't know if I said this on the podcast, I've said it elsewhere. I was of the view that Phil, I don't think Phil Lowe wants to raise rates. I, I think evidence thus far- <laughs> He doesn't both, like to be the most hated man in the country, no. Well, no, but even, even just generally, like, you know, he, he started the cycle late and then he started the cycle late and too softly. Um, and, and after promising that he wouldn't. Right, and so we didn't say that, come on. I know, I'm just, that. you know- <laughs> <laughs> Let's all the tabloids do that, um, but yes, yes. So, like, and that, but it, you know, I, I, th- I guess I'm just making the point that you know, I actually think I'm, I actually don't mind Phil Lowe. I don't, I don't know him at all. I don't have any particular regard for him. I think he gets a very hard uh, time in the media and elsewhere because he's just an easy bloke to hate, which is you know, I guess part of the job. But yeah. I, I just every every bit of evidence to me so far is like they've come late to the party, hoping they didn't need to do it. And I really believe, or believed, I think I still believe, that even this time around, this week, they didn't want to, they just felt they had to. And that's kind of a different scenario. I guess it's always true, but the, you know, but the pattern so far is he only did it when he absolutely got to the point of like, well, I guess that's what I've got to do then because that's what the circumstances provide for mm. me. I think that's, in my mind at least, why, why they, they went up. In terms of the next steps though, mate, there are now people out there, now we've talked about crystal balls before, um, but forecasts are between one and three more rate rises this year to as high as potentially six, uh, sorry, six, 4.85%. Sorry if I gave it a heart attack then. 4.85%. It <laughs> could um, happen. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, right? It, it's Inflation is 6.8%. It's not, you know, it's not, it's not five, it's not three. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if your view is, well, if it's that high, we've got more work to do, then as you say, another, you know, three or four months, there might be some pauses in between. And again, it might not happen either. Um, it does seem like the RBA is not done. Yeah, and I, I sort of said before, I think you need to prepare for it. I, sh- I should qualify those remarks mm. because I, I, it can suggest, and I think the plenty in our industry like to suggest that there are all kinds of products that you can do and even profit, yeah. not just protect <laughs> from these scenarios. And yeah, I want to yeah. clarify that's not what I'm saying. In fact, okay. some people may be on the, the point already of preparation. I think those mm. who are prepared were just simply the ones who were 
realistic and conservative in, in the debts that they took on relative to the dependable, dependability of the incomes and the quantum of the incomes that they had and just have structured themselves appropriately. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not in that situation, and, and this is what get, you sticks in micro a little bit, the, the media loves to sort of jump onto Facebook, find a, a, a sob story. The AFR had it the other day, you know, some bloke who borrowed up to the eyeballs a few months ago is now whinging and blaming everyone but himself that, you know, I might have to sell my property as if, like, you know, you know my, the world's smallest <laughs> violin is playing for you, mate. Yeah, no yeah, one, yeah. You know, I, I just, you know, I know it sounds brutally hard, but we've, um, I, I think we sow the seeds of our own destruction at times. And the, I said to you off air that I've, I, I like this quote a lot from Munger, which is that, you know, capitalism without loss is like Christianity without hell, right? We need- <laughs> It's a great line. You need to have it, right? Because if, mm, if, mm. if you don't, it just leads to all kinds of really, really bad outcomes. And the risk just moves up the spectrum to a structural level, whereas mm. rather than having frequent and small failures where warranted. And that's just the reality of the world we live in. I mean, I buy shares all the time and they go down and I'm not on the nightly news <laughs> saying, it's not fair, the government should bail me out. It just, I get that as an investor. This is yeah. the game I'm in and yeah. there are no free lunches. It's just it's just the reality of it, yeah. you know? So what my, my heart, where, where I have the sympathy is that I think people are enabled, maybe that's not the right word, almost encouraged through vested interests. Yeah. Whether that, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't name professions, but you know. Never stopped you before. All right. Mortgage brokers, <laughs> real estates, banks, you know, that like that accountants. <laughs> and I, like before everyone writes yeah. in with that, I mean, obviously some great, awesome people in all of those sectors. But I think it's also fair to say in our sector yeah. as well, more than yeah. any other oh, sector God, yeah. in the Absolutely. equity sector, right? So oh, I'm God, not, yeah. people in yeah, glass yeah, yeah. houses, I get it, but there are a lot of bad actors Aaron, in our space. Yeah, you know, and, yeah. and there are, yeah. I'm sorry, but in those other ones I mentioned, there's a certain percentage that are too. And it's just he whose bread I eat, his song I sing, right? And mm. and, and if I'm if I'm going to benefit from these things, I'm going to encourage you to do it. We've got decades of of a uh, um, a phenomena of 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 mm-hmm. this view of risk free ticket to wealth, and that if you want to get ahead in in this country, you buy property. And there's no level of debt that's too high. There's no price that's too high. And I just it's a banquet of consequences. To quote a book by um, is it Sajid Das? I think um, right and. Uh, um, where I, 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 I guess what I'm saying is you either have been appropriately structured, in which case you've borne a bit of a price on that because when the, when the bulls are running, you, don't, you want to be up to the eyeballs and take the riskiest positions possible, right? So it's a hard, it's a hard thing to do, but, or you haven't. And if you haven't done that, what do you do now? I, I think you seriously look at deleveraging to some extent. Or, or or prepare the the, pros- the very real mm. prospect of of default, and that's yeah. a really that's a really crappy choice to make. But <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, man. Like it's it's kind of you, you've you 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 can't change the past, but I think people need to. If you're if you're look, our listeners are way too smart. But if you're <laughs> know of someone who has has pushed themselves to the absolute wall, where another quarter or a half percent interest rate rise is going to wipe you out financially. You have made a mistake and you want to think very carefully about how you structure yourself and what you can do to at least make sure that you're not, you know, one full low decision away from from being wiped. Uh, and time is of the essence. Too harsh? Me. I don't know. No, you're right. No, no you're, absolutely, you're absolutely right. Time is of the essence. I look, you know, I I think you're right, mate. What, one of the things, <laughs> this, can, this can get very deep, very broad and very philosophical very quickly. But one of the things I think is interesting about, you, you talk about the encouragement given to people to do these things. It's, it's almost more pervasive than that. It, it, it's been normalized to the point yes. of, um, to the point of almost not needing to be thought about. Yeah. The, the, the combination of, and you know, I don't, I think that there's it's often- a, it's, it's, it's seen as a guarantee, right? Right, and there are often bad actors there. And then, but I think what the, the, maybe, the, maybe the more pernicious thing is not so much the bad actors because you can almost spot them. It's when those things become self-evident truths, even though they're not. You know, it, no, you no one needs to go out there deliberately and say to you, hey, you should do this thing because I'm going to make some money. It's the bloke at the barbecue who says to the other, to his mate, who says to his wife, who says to her friend, who says to his sister-in-law, who says to the taxi driver, who says to someone else, we all know now that X, Y, Z, whether that's property doubles every seven years or whether <laughs> that's, you, you know, or just whether that's, you know, the government will bail us out or whether that's whatever those things are that become yeah. 
self-evident truths, again, untruths in the end, uh, well, maybe not, depends on what governments do, but that, that, that's, almost the, that's almost the more insidious part because they yeah, I agree. the guy out there saying, you know, I'm, I'm selling timeshare property, you should buy it from me. It's like, well, I know where you're coming from. When your brother-in-law says, hey, uh, a mate of mine's got a couple of investment properties, he's done really, really well, and I bought one two years ago and I've done pretty well so far, you should think about it too. Oh, yeah. And you're kind of like, well, I mean, I guess so. And I don't, again, it's, it, it's no excuse for um, deliberate ignorance or not doing you, your homework. But the, you know, we talked about the financialization of it's just a social. It's a social norm backed by a very right. long period of, of, of objective right, fact right. and proof. Like right. I, I, For the last 10, 20, 30 years, anyone who's done this has done well. It's very, very difficult to be the, the one who's going to sort of throw shade on that and go, well, I, I don't know if that's always the yeah. best idea. It's like you're an idiot because anyone who's ever done that has done extremely well. Mm-hmm. You speak of the barbecue, mate. I've, I've literally been to barbecues where, you know, it's an Australian barbecue, right? So, yeah, right, people are talking property. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll be having a chat to some bloke who's yeah. like, oh, I've got eight investment properties. And, you, and you know, it's just like everyone nods, yeah, great. And then, yeah. and then you say, oh. And they're envious, you know, not, not just nods. They're, they're like, oh, wow, that'd be Oh, amazing. it's fantastic. We no one knows about the too, debt honey. structure or how yeah. that worked or anything like that. And you think, yeah. Yeah. wait a second. And it just, it's not to make judgment on, on anyone's profession. You think, how do you afford that? That's just really amazing. And then, and then also, well, I, we don't have any. Uh, we've all got our money in shares, and people's draw, jaws drop to the floor. It's like, What's wrong with you? Yeah. Look yeah. how risky they are. You know, it's just like their money's in shares. You know, this guy over yeah. here leveraged ninety yeah. percent on twelve different properties. Is a quarter of a percent away from bankruptcy. That's really smart and sensible. Yeah. The bloke yeah. with yeah. no debt in a range of good quality companies. You know, it's just like that's insanity. But it is. It's the social norm, and that's exactly what you're getting at. It is is a hundred percent normalized and there's nothing wrong with it it's a really i've got to be clear here there's a really really um there's a lot to be said Mm. for building wealth in in property or in shares or in any sensible asset class no one's got any let me be 100 percent clear no one's got any problem with doing that and i Mm. think it's a wonderful wonderful thing to do but like with any investment there is risk and with any invest, it, there, there is, it's not just upside and you need to account. We often and regularly preach. It's just like, don't just look at the upside, look at the downside and factor that into your considerations. You don't want to risk, you know, everything you've got to hopefully make 10% a year and double your value every seven years. Yeah. If, if the downside is you lose 80% of your net wealth, right? Like that's, that is a, that the asymmetry is my favorite word is, is very unfavorable. <laughs> Sorry, mate. I had to no, insert a rant in there. I, I broke. I broke your rhythm before. <laughs> no, it's perfect, man. It's perfect. I, I guess, I, and I find it, this is a really tough conversation to have too, mate. Because the 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 reality. I mean, the Motley Fool has spent thirty years, literally, from the US, and then a decade plus here, saying to people, "Take you can take control of your finances. No one is better placed than you to make your decisions. Um, you know, don't let the don't let the." the air quotes helpers or, or others, you know, kind of get in between you and your money. Like, and that's all absolutely true. hundred percent. Absolutely. Absolutely true. I, I will say though, I have, and I'm not, not resolving from that for a second. I do think though that, you know, we talk about the financialization of property. When we, we say that we really mean things like shelter, housing has gone from shelter to, you know, financial asset. And, and that's, yeah. that's problematic. Yeah. That's, I think that's the, other, the, the other side of that that I've not really given enough weight to, at least, at least, I mean, I've talked about it a lot, but in terms of really distilling it down in terms of my thoughts is we've kind of, we've financialized housing, but we've somehow kind of, uh, I don't know what the right word is, we've kind of um, uh, consumerized finance, maybe too much. You know, the point of, do I really understand what risk I'm taking when I borrow a million dollars to buy an investment property? I mean, the, the sheer dollar numbers there alone, and think about who do we, who do we let borrow that money, almost anybody, what do we what do we require? Can, can you of them? fog a mirror? Right. <laughs> what do we require of them to understand when they do that? You know, um, if you want to give financial advice in this country, you've got to go through rightly, I think, you know, a whole lot of uh, training courses, and the company's got to be licensed to do that and all that kind of stuff. The Motley Fool is an Australian financial services license. I've done a one RG one four six qualification, and that's hundred percent appropriate. But you know, and, and I'm not saying we should step in other ones way. And there are people out there who hate regulation, saying less regulation is better. And I don't know, but. It, it, it does it does worry me a lot that we say to people um, you can take on this debt as long as you can show that your uh, income exceeds your expenses by by a reasonable amount uh, based on what re- you might be able to earn from this and based on a buffer knock yourself out you know there well, was really no there was really no requirement on anybody to show that they have and again I know what people are yelling at the podcast machine now saying no people should be able to do what they want they can make their own mistakes on one level that's right on the other level 
I don't know. You know, I know a lot of I know a lot of really, really, really good people who just are not financially savvy. And if an accountant or a bank manager or a property spruker says, hey, it's really easy, I've done it, so is your mate, so is your brother-in-law, you should do it too. They kind of go, okay, then I guess that must be okay. You know, and yeah. I think plus, that, plus, you, plus it's a story you want to hear, right? Everyone likes that's a story true. of I can make you rich. Like that's, that's, a, that's a very easy story to sell. Yeah. We're all I, susceptible I, I struggle to, to, to I struggle that. To blame those people. That's why I struggle. I, you know, not that you are, but I just, as, as no, I think about it. It's just incentives. I yeah. I think, I think we've let people down. I, I really think we've kind of just gone, oh, well, on the regulation front, I agree. I mean, there needs to mm. be regulation, right? Like, but I think there's, there's too much in our industry and there's not enough in property. So if you or I get onto Twitter and say, I think you should buy Kogan drink, yeah. um, <laughs> you, uh, yeah. you know, yep. you could be sued. You yes. could be sued. You could be yeah, directly responsible. Yep. Now, if I yep. get onto to TikTok and make a bunch of videos how you need to sort of access equity and wash it through this and do that, there's <laughs> zero, yeah. there yeah. is zero consequences for that. So it's going to like, that's, I mean, that's part of the problem, right? That why have we seen, I think a couple of reasons, why have we seen the financialization of it? I think there is just that it's a, it's a free for all when it comes, yeah. it's, it's as bad as crypto when it comes to property. You, there are no regulations, do whatever you like, or very little, very, very little uh, uh, regulations. But I, don't, and the I other, don't mean the spruikers though, man. I'm actually, I'm actually thinking about the people who do these things. You know, if you want to take on margin, so back to shares, if you want to take on mar a margin loan, you've got to fill in some forms and, you know, the, the, the lender has to some degree, at least make sure you know what you're doing, right? And I just think if you're borrowing a million dollars, it could be half a million, it could be two million, whatever the number is, to buy an investment property, there's just, there's just no, there is zero requirement for any independent assessment or education or whatever the thing is that just says, hey, are you sure you really understand what happens if rates go up to, hey, by the way, maybe 4.1% or maybe 4.85% by the end of this year? What would happen then? Who, who well, actually did that exercise? Was you know, And you and I say, we did it because we know. And lots of listeners will say, well, of course you should. We know that. I'm just going to say I know dozens and dozens of people who don't have the financial sophistication, not because they're stupid, just because it's not their thing. Like, you know, we do this because this is our thing, right? If I, if I was doing brain surgery, I'd say, oh, I've seen, I've seen a couple of brain surgeons on YouTube and, uh, and, and I spoke to a mate who, who did one the other day. He, th he said it was okay. I'm going to give it a go. You know, you'd <laughs> yeah. be like, well, don't know. No, that's the right idea. Yeah, yeah. Stay, in, I, stay, I in your, stay in your lane there, Scott. Right? Yeah. Well, I don't, no, but that was how they, I don't want to exclude people. I'm absolutely not saying, don't worry, sweetheart, leave it to the professionals. That's not what I'm saying. No. But what I am saying is I just, I, I don't think we've done enough I think we've done a lot of people a massive disservice by letting them trip their way in because they really haven't understood the risks that come with the opportunities they're regularly told about. Well, this is this is where we might get back into our uh, off-air debate. Um, <laughs> I would say, I would say the again, you, you need you need failure, you need consequences. Yes. Now, who's who in in, in a, <clears throat> a make-believe world? Mm -hmm. Who is it that? bears the brunt of making a bad loan. I lend you money, the pub, and yep. you don't pay me back, right? Yep. I, break I lose. Okay. I lose. That's <laughs> that's my yep. calculus, right? Yep. Will he pay me back? Yep. When will he pay me back? Will, we, will he pay me back the full amount? Mm -hmm. The more trustworthy I think you are, the, mm -hmm. the, the more favorable the terms and the better the interest rate. And the more dodgy I think you are, the more, uh, you know, and so... So I would say the the natural rather well we need we need we need certainly some degree of regulation but the natural balancing fact force here would be the threat of loss mm. which is why we always come back to the big very all powerful banks mm. which is the, of the moral hazard which is well stuff it I don't yeah can you fog a mirror boom I'm going to lend to you why because I don't care because even if the, the only way this really goes bad is if the whole market collapses and we get wiped but government's going to bail me out anyway and if I don't do it Westpac will or ANZ will <laughs> so it's just that it, it is it is it is the story of it and so that's mm. that's what I would I would say that we would probably Let's not let's not blame people who are sort of egged into this. I would say the people who are who are making these calls and lending out, by the way, our money, depositors' yeah. money, they're lending out our money, right? It's just like, well, go for it, man. That's your business model. This is actually a wonderful thing for society and growth and capitalism and you know, banking services are very valuable. But mm -hmm. guess what? There's risk, and you need to be a very you need a high level of, of prudential <laughs> um, responsibility in what you do, and there are consequences when you don't. I think that's true, mate. I think that's absolutely true. Um, but but again, I would just say that at that same time, we probably th those people still lose their homes. 
So there, there is still, you know, the good thing about being a banker is you lend out 100, you, you get back 99, that's enough um, because, you know, the, the, the numbers work. So you, you factor in some loss. Mm. I just think those, those people who are the, the 1% who don't or the $1 who doesn't get paid back and they lose their homes, um, yeah. the banker still says I was responsible overall on average and not that every yeah. loan should be guaranteed to be paid back because circumstances happen and people are sure. you know, bad borrowers and all that that's stuff. That's the model. That's why, it's why payday loans right. are so expensive in, in Correct, interest rates. Right. They factor in a certain amount of loss. And, and that's, what, that's the only point I want to make. It's just that you, know, it, you, can, you can still screw someone else's life up by lending the money they shouldn't have and your yes. overall bank balance still looks good because you got back most of what you lent out and the interest bill cover or the interest yeah. payment covered the, covered the losses. So happy days, who cares? Um, I, again, I know you're not saying that. I just want to make that point that it's sure. at, at, a, at a borrower level. I think we owe. I, I will say, I think as a society, we owe a duty of care to people who are borrowing, who are lending money. Sorry, um, mm. sorry, who are borrowing money. Let me get the clear. A duty of care to people who are borrowing money to make sure they actually know what they're getting themselves into. And I don't think we've done that as a society, as a banking industry, as a finance industry. I think we're only too all too happy to sort of shovel it out the door because hey, what could possibly go wrong? Um, yep. Which is not a rhetorical question, but is expressed that way too frequently. It's- it's not even hard to do, and we could argue about the yeah, details. Right. But if, if, I mean, like, by the way, it should be like, you know, a set threshold of household after tax income with an appropriate buffer applied, you know. Like, that's a pretty good starting point. We actually do have buffers from APRA, but they just keep lowering them whenever things look shaky. So it's sort of, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's, there's a good plan, and there's also a, a sensible execution of the plan as well, which, which needs to be said. But, they're, they're the more then after after some basic things like that I th- sort of think mm-hmm. have better but again this is just going to make me sound like such an unfeeling bastard if I can use the word but they <laughs> I, I fundamentally believe that we look we we're just monkeys scratching out a living on a rock right like yeah, we, yeah. <laughs> bad things are going to happen not all investments are going to work out some ventures are going to fail like it's just it, it you know yeah. I want everyone to win all the time you know but yeah it's not going to now you you don't want when when people fall through the cracks obviously you want a good safety net you want to make all of that kind of stuff but by but by trying to wrap all of us in cotton wool and protecting us from the consequences of bad decisions Mm -hmm. and then pushing that up the chain where it becomes a society a a structural issue and a society-wide issue Mm -hmm. it's just Mm -hmm. not the way to go like the reality is there's gonna there are going to be consequences for bad decisions no matter what Yep. How big do we want them to be and, and what exactly. level do we want them yes. to play out is the question that we need to do. And, and, and again, 100%. neither are really great, but I'll keep coming back to often early and small. That's mm-hmm. what we want. And then absolutely support for those people that tried their best. I mean, most businesses fail, right? So diabolically hard. Like, yes. But we want on this – this is one of the real magic ingredients of the US, despite all of its problems and, you know, the rest of it. They they foster entrepreneurism because you 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 can climb back out again. Mm-hmm. You know, you, uh, we'll make it easy to start a business. We'll make it easy for bankruptcy. We'll make it easy to start again. Those people who are going through that process, it's not a pleasant process, right? But but you want what I guess I'm saying is you want to do what you can to foster all of these kinds of wealth uh, creation kind of activities, but you can't. You just can't pretend and protect people from from bad decisions and when they happen let them happen right yeah. let them happen and i'm sorry you made a bad decision and there's loss you'll learn from it you'll be a better investor a better entrepreneur at the end of it the loss won't be catastrophic to the entire economic system and we'll go on and, and in aggregate prosper and survive motley full money for more subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener Mate, let's um let's go to GDP because this is the next part of the economic news of the week. Uh, you've already talked about the fact we had a per capita recession or not recession, but a per capita negative GDP. It's only one quarter so far, so it's not not a recession yet. But the when 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 G, so let's break it down. GDP, gross domestic product. I always have to remember to do that. I had a, had a member of one of our newer services say, "So I love you guys on the podcast. Not even if, I don't always understand what you're talking about, but I love it." And I'm like, which, I was, which is very kind, but I also need to do a better job of being clearer. Just so, know that it's really, really smart and always 100% yeah. right. <laughs> if you're not sure, just assume I'm right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so gross domestic product is the total stuff that we produce in a given period as a country. They add it all together and go, that's, that's the number. Now, they kind of sample it and add literally everything together, but close enough. Um, and they work out how much we make in a given year or quarter in this case or both. And that is the total gross being total, domestic being Australian and product being the stuff we do. It's not just physical products, of course. Now it's services as well. Uh, it was up 0.2%. Uh, 
for the last quarter. Now, I don't know about you, mate. That's a, that's a pretty small number. And you've already talked about the fact that population is growing faster than that. So if you think about the gross domestic product, the amount of stuff we make, and then say how much, you know, we don't, get, we don't all get an equal share of it, but per person, there's a dollar value to that. Year on year, the, number, the amount of things we made was larger. Uh, I've said before, the pie got bigger, but the number of people eating the pie grew at an even faster rate. Yeah. So guess what? We all get less as a result. So the country grew, the population grew faster, and our share, at least technically, of all of that has actually gone down. In other words, our living standards effectively got worse. They, they lowered. Now, not mm-hmm. just inflation-wise, but in terms of the amount of stuff we produce per person. Mate, this is... Um, this is a big deal for millions of different reasons. Part of this is purely cyclical, it's, it's true to say. The other mm. thing that's been talked about regularly, and I'm really glad because this has been a policy-free zone for, I want to say, 15, 20 years. Correct me if you remember differently, but mm. we haven't talked about productivity as a nation for a very, very long time. Mm. And I'm reasonably sure that coincides beautifully with, well, <laughs> partly just rubbish focus group-based politicians, but but actually probably in, in, more, in the real world, more with the fact that inflation was so low, you didn't need that much productivity because you didn't you weren't, you weren't trying to chase anything down. But but when you think about what what standards, how do we increase our standard of living? The only way on a per person basis to increase your standard of living is for an economy to increase its productivity. And again, let's let's define that. Productivity is the amount of um, output per unit of input. So if I work one hour, how many widgets can I make? Now, you've given the example for a farming, mate, where there was a time when one person could probably farm an acre of land a year by themselves, and then you add a machine, you could do two, and you add a tractor, and you could do 10. You add a tractor and long haul and fertilizers, also you do 100. The productivity per, per person, per hour worked, has gone up dramatically in agriculture for... Exponentially I mean, for a while. I mean, you know, over, still getting century, better. A couple of centuries, yeah. 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 I mean, so that's, so that's, that's, that's the seed of civilization right there was increasing productivity right. over primary, product, exactly primary products. And that's, and that's what makes us more successful as a society. It's how we can afford more things. You know, prices go up, wages go up, but that really just kind of keeps track. Productivity, when I can do more per hour so my boss can afford to pay me more per hour because I'm more valuable, do that on a, on a massive scale. Um, not necessarily in a capitalist system, just in, it could be under a communist system, you could do exactly the same thing. Um, if we do produce more output per unit of input, that's that's more productive, more productivity. Um, that That's that's the one that now we're starting to talk about. So just curious your thoughts, Matt, on, on the GDP numbers, the, the per capita result, and, and maybe how we think about addressing it. Uh, so many so many different directions to go. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, look, it's not a good thing. You don't one swallow does not a summer make, um, yes. as the saying goes. So you, you've always got to be careful with these sort of quarter to quarter or whatever period mm. economic data you get. I think the broader directional trend is is what's interesting. But yeah, it's a negative, right? Like it's <laughs> on average we're all we're all poorer as a result. There's no point growing five percent if the population grows ten percent. So that's right, exactly. You know, we'll we'll see what sort of happens there. Um, yeah. We've also seen a lot of interesting stats sort of around consumer sentiment. Or it's, it's, it's a it's a it's, it's not an encouraging picture on 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 a lot of fronts. I do think the productivity debate though is very infantile. <laughs> Clearly, productivity is great, right? Mm-hmm. But there's no you can't <laughs> you can't dictate productivity, no, right? Not. Productivity, like, do we need more productivity? Well, what we're, what we're really asking is, do you want more for less? Like, yeah, mm-hmm. of course I do. Yeah, okay, right. let's do that. Let's do that. Wait a yeah. <laughs> what do you think people have been? I mean, that is the story of capitalism. Yeah, Someone yeah, tries yeah. to come up with a better way. You're selling potatoes. I'm selling potatoes. You're doing it with a horse. I'm doing it with like a whole bunch of John Deere equipment. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not doing it because of the economy and I want to boost productivity for, you know, standards of living per capita. No, I'm I'm doing it because I get an edge and an advantage. This is an organic bottom-up system, right? This is what we so fundamentally misunderstand, I think, when we talk about economics. Mm. And and so am I for more productivity? Yeah. Um, You know, now that some senior politicians and bureaucrats say that we should do it, it's, oh, okay, well, I, I guess we should. How about, how about instead yeah. of telling us that yeah. we need to boost productivity, you invent a new thing that gives us that productivity, right? Because yeah, that's, right. that's ultimately what you do. Now, again, it comes what, – what they can do, to be a bit fair, is they can cert- certainly create – foster the right environment for productivity growth, mm-hmm. you know, again, it's really a story of at these levels the, – the policy is really about trying to create – positive incentives, pro- yeah. proper incentives to drive things directionally where we want. As oh. soon as we get into that very tempta- tempting but slippery slope of 
we can control this. Mm. Uh, I think that's where it just sort of gets a little bit stupid. And, and people shaking their fist on a mountaintop saying, more productivity, I just think, well, <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Okay. Well, <laughs> Thanks, dude. But, okay, well, okay, how? <laughs> it's like saying, hey, Scott, <laughs> you should write a viral tweet. Okay. Like, well, how? Like, you know, it's, mm-hmm. there is, there is, it's, it's, it's easy to say. It's very hard to do. And I think it's just stupid to assume that it needs – it needs someone to say that we need to do it. It's always happening. Yeah. It will always. It always has happened since we we first climbed mm. uh, out of the caves, right? Like we we the, the 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 tribes, the people that were better and more productive were mm. wealthier, were stronger. Mm. They survived. They dominate, and that will always be the story of of mankind. So I just think it's something to point at rather than rather than um, anything meaningful that can be or practically that can be drawn from those you know, um, uh, comments. Yeah, I think that's right. I, I do think for what it's worth, I, I think it's important to think as a country about things like, you kind of talked about policy. The, the flip side of that is, frankly, I, I'm, I'm, I'm generally pretty adverse to subsidies and, and government programs and handouts because they tend to reward less productive uh, enterprises almost 100%. by definition yep and not, distorts not, markets and, right and there are reasons you might want to do it for national security or for um, sure. you know for, for example an oil petroleum reserve might have been smart might still be smart um, yeah. or having enough PPE hanging around you'd probably pay an extra couple of cents a glove to make sure there was some there if we had a once in a century pandemic for example but yep. the, when, when you you know people <laughs> let me let me let me really annoy some people now I'm not even sure what your view is I think we've talked about this before um the whole made in Australia thing. Like, I love making stuff here. I, I try and buy Australian made when I can. I paid overs for some R. Williams jeans because I thought, well, I should do the right thing because they're made here rather than ones that are made overseas. Um, maybe it just makes me look stupid. I don't know. But, you know, you, I try and, do this, try and do what I can where I can. The reality is when people say, actually, what we should do is the government should subsidise Industry X to do a thing here. And say, so, well, if it could be done already, it would be being done already. It would be being you know, done. <laughs> between Gina and Twiggy and, you know, Anthony Pratt and Harry Triggyboff and, you know, Mike Hannah-Brooks and whatever. That, you know, if someone said, hey, I've got a great idea. You can make a squillion dollars doing this. And they say, no, thank you. Uh, I'm going to wait till it's break even. And then I'm going to take some government money for it. And only then will I start doing this thing. Yeah, right. Uh, makes yeah. no sense, right? So that's the first thing. Second thing is, once you do that... And then you say, well, if we paid, but if we had an industry here doing making, whatever, let's, let's, let's take cars because it's easy, making cars. What we'll do is we'll pay workers overs to make cars. So the cars will be more expensive than they'd be if they were made overseas. And we'll take those workers out of, in theory, higher paying jobs and give them lower paying jobs because it's great. Because, and by the way, unemployment's already 3.7%. So we're already, we're already kind of nearish full employment. Let's, let's actually introduce a new industry push wages up across the board. We'll subsidise those with government funds because you've got to get the workers from somewhere. Uh, they'll make the cars and that'll be great. We'll buy, we'll buy the cars for more than they'd cost to buy them from Korea or Thailand or America or South Africa or anywhere else. And that'll Japan. be great. That, that, mm. Japan. That, that'll, that'll, that'll solve our problem. Mm. And, it's just, it, I, and I know that the, the instinctive, again, a lot of people listening right now, the instinctive is, yeah, but we should just make stuff here. And it's kind of like, but, but, but why? Yeah. You know, the, I mentioned last time, that, or maybe next time, depending on what we've pre-recorded, the, the, the Toyota thing of the five whys. But why? But why? It comes in because mm. I just want to, right? Because I, I feel good we make stuff here. It's like, yeah. we should. But almost every Australian who wants a job right now has got a job. There's no need employment-wise for that. We have a reasonably robust economy, making the things that are already profitable to make. So adding subsidies to an unprofitable industry to drag people out of those jobs that are profitable to work for your cottage industry it, 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 you think about, you know, if it was up to me, mate, there's a whole lot of subsidies I would just can tomorrow and business would cry foul and so be it. Um, the reality is, you know, we, productivity comes from doing the thing. Not so much even productivity per act, right? It's not, it's not making cars a little bit better. It's as a country, if we can take that unit of input, instead of making a car with it, make a, I don't know what else we do, a thing with it. Financial services just for fun, right? Because we export those. If someone dude, can be we, better, dude, we do rocks and houses. That's what we do in this country. But if someone can be better employed at, at a more productive, literally per, per dollar of wage, per hour of work, if they can produce more stuff with it, that's actually what we should do. That's literally what we should do. The Made in Australia thing, like, let's actually reverse that. Let's make us all poorer just so we can say we make the thing. I, just, I find that's that dumb. so dramatically frustrating. Yeah, you, what you're getting at there is the term comparative advantage. You yes, know, thank you. What can we that do? Works. What can we do better than than our competitors? Right, and and that's what we should do. Right, that's this smart business. 
Um, I mean, I, I agree with what you said, but but I mean, there are things that I, I think you can uh, encourage more of. So I don't think you're throwing a bunch of money at something because you think it's a good idea is dumb, but sort of, <laughs> you know, I think um, renewables is a really cl- yeah. classic example. Now the cost curves are coming down so that it's actually not as much of an issue as it was, but in the early stage before the scale advantages are there, when all yep. of these startup um, issues are being felt, um, I don't think the government should be throwing money and directly building wind farms, but maybe you could put some uh, more favourable tax legislation around things. Uh, maybe you could make a bit more punitive reg- – may- well, not even be punitive. Maybe you could take away some of the subsidies <laughs> that you give to the right, oil right. and gas industry. And let's not be – let's be very real here. They get yep. massive amounts of sub- subsidies, right? So like – create a more favorable environment to help foster the things that you want to see more of. Yes. But that's the level at which you kind of stop. If, if it was, if it is possible to happen, someone somewhere will be in, in have the ingenuity and the, the, you know, the, the drive to make it happen. Right. Because the financial reward will be there that the financial reward mm-hmm. is, is the incentive. Literally. Make it. That's, yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> that's the incentive. Yeah. That's why I yeah. do it. Right. Like yeah. I, I feel as though I can, I can create value here. Um, yeah, so so I 100% agree. There's there's a lot of things like that. Just to come full circle back to productivity, where we can mm. say we want certain things. Yes, and this is this is. I mean, it it is hard to argue with a lot of it, but it's just a question of saying, yeah. But what's the better way mm-hmm. to go about those kinds of things, yeah. right? And we we are too uh, we're too too much first level thinkers in it. It's like oh this, therefore that. You know, um, it's frustrating. The best way to think about productivity, mate, is actually to make it personal. So, so my productivity, I can do an hour's work and get paid a certain amount of money. Or, so, and I can choose my job. I, I can choose to, well, not I can choose their jobs, but I, I could choose to go and work at the can of the local Woolies and have a very fulfilling life and get paid whatever they get paid now. I could choose to you know, do another job that I'm digging holes or I could be a paddle pop lady or I could do my job or I could do something else. And those jobs all have different payoffs. So per hour of input, I'm getting a certain return from that. It yeah. makes logical sense for me to say, I should do the thing, all things being equal, they never are, but all things being equal, mm. I should do the thing that earns me the most money. And it's the same nationally. If we've got, if we've got a certain number of people and a certain number of machines, those things should be put to the service. Again, not, not top down, but just let, let the market work. So the bottom up, those things are put to the service of that which generates the most value. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a bit of a controversial idea. It's just we, we kind of forget. Your point about first principles, I think, is, is also worthwhile. You talk about, you know, there's the first order of thinking, but the other thing is the first, first principles of like, wouldn't you just, isn't that what you would do? Yeah, of course you would. So yeah. should we stop doing the things that get in the way of that? Yeah, probably. So let's now talk again about the subsidies and about the calls for making this here or doing that there. Even mate, speaking of renewables and making people annoyed, if we're digging up lithium, people say, oh, we should make batteries here. I'm like, well, okay, if, if Twiggy thinks that's profitable, he'll do it. Well, no, the government yeah. should do it. Well, why, why would the government take people out of otherwise successful, useful industries and jobs and put them in this thing that other people are doing more cheaply than we are because they've got scale and lower labor costs and all the benefits they've got, we don't have. We, we, we play our strengths, our comparative advantages to your point versus someone else's. Um, you know, yes, we should absolutely kickstart industries if we think over the long term that kickstart will allow us to have a, an ongoing comparable advantage or comparative advantage. The kickstart in the car industry here was never a smart idea. It was always dumb, right? And I think mm. just yeah, just wanting to do a thing. Here's something really controversial for those who want to be really annoyed. People say, oh, we dig up the iron and we sent it to, to China. They sent us back the steel. That's terrible because it just is. Like, okay, well, you could actually do it all here and we could pay twice as much for the steel and our living standards would fall. Would, would you rather that than sending it to China and having to send it back? It makes perfect sense. If, you had, if we ran Australia Inc., and we said, well, we could have a, I'll give you a great example. Woolworths used to have their own printing press. It's called Chisholm Printing, their, their whole printing department, division. And so all the, all, the, all the internal printing at Woolies, all their forms and paper bags, all the stuff was done by Chisholm Printing. It was internal, right? And someone one day went, we're doing this thing and we're keeping it in-house. We're not paying anybody else. So the money's not going over there. So therefore it must be better, right? And so, well, hang on, if we're paying, i make the numbers up, I don't know the numbers, two cents a paper bag here, or we get those guys to it for one cent a paper bag, We'd lose some revenue to them, but we'd actually save ourselves more money overall. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't that be sensible? Yeah, that would. And that's exactly the example of the whole we should make stuff here is like, sell the iron ore to China. They can send it back. Of course they should. Why would would we choose to bring in-house something we're not better at just for the sake of saying we we did the thing here 
again, especially while unemployment's so low, we're not putting anyone else in a job. We're not, <laughs> there's literally a cost, not a benefit of doing that. It drives me bananas. I think you've, you've got to go back to the, the this idea that trade is an act of economic mutual benefit. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to do the trade with you. You've got something I want. I've got something you want. Mm. Well, only, <laughs> unless one of you's got a gun, right? Like, oh. We're yeah. only go- we are only going to exchange. Mm-hmm. We exchange because each of us feel as though we're better off after the fact. Yeah. Right. And it's the same at the country level. So yeah. if I can dig this up and you can make it, and we all get more for less, we all play to our strengths. It's actually a good thing. Um, yeah. It actually, I think, <laughs> big statement, but I actually think it fosters peace in the world. It does. More, I, you I know, <laughs> if you want, if you want peace with your neighbor, you're less likely to sort of blow someone up. If you're, if they make a lot of really cool stuff that you like, and they're and they're one of your biggest customers for the things that you sell, like that is, it is a force for for peace. And you find a way. You find a way. You find a way. So I, I think all of that is true. Mm-hmm. Coming back to the idea of, you know, here's what I would say, right? So we want to. I actually think that we should do a lot more value add here, but to your point, we should only do it if it makes sense. So if yeah, you want, yeah. if you want Australia to make steel. And I, mm-hmm. so actually, I should say the one the one caveat I have to all we just said before is the the one exception is uh, security. There there is there are some instances where you would want local production just for just for security kind of. It's more expensive, but geez, we're really going to be glad that we've got this capacity if if there's a time of war or something difficult. So that is that is yeah. a, a good exception. But let's say we do want to make steel here is a good example. And you think well, we can't compete with China because of you know very low labor costs essentially. Um, what do we have that China doesn't have? Hmm. Oh, actually, we've got a whole crap ton of space with lots of sun, yeah, <laughs> which yeah. so like, you know, terawatts of power streaming down from heaven. Uh, maybe, maybe we could, again, not build it and not just direct the money, but maybe we could really help foster up a situation where we have massive investment into mm. uh, capacity and storage and let's, Let's let's use green steel. Let's use electric arc furnaces. Let's do it. And now we're doing it not because it, like we we feel like it's a good idea. Yep. We've now got a comparative advantage on other places around the world that have to burn dirty coal. They have to buy it, burn mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. pollute, make it, ship it back. Well, actually, we can do it all here, and we can do it without burning a single, um, you know, releasing a single molecule of carbon into the air. It's like that's that seems like a pretty cool thing to do. So so just work through the reasoning and what is it this is what i would say government needs to do is 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 to look very carefully at where our structural advantages are and help foster and encourage that not direct it not command control economy yet um it gets gets again a very slippery slope but just allow allow entrepreneurs to do what they do best let them fail when they don't (laughs) but when they do give them the proper incentives to do that and then you will build the capital base that allows you to do that so Australia actually punches real above its weight in terms of agriculture, speaking of that before. Yes. Despite our very – now, wait, wait, see, this is a conundrum, right? So we've got very high labour costs compared to places in Southeast Asia, and yet we, mm. we stand on our own when it comes to agriculture. Why yeah. is that? Because we've got awesome capital stock. So capital is a word that gets thrown around a lot. Capital is just mm. something that is used to make something else. It's not mm. a direct consumable in itself. I don't have it – you know, I don't buy a tractor for the sake of having a tractor. That's why money is called capital as well, because mm-hmm. you could use it for something else, right? But but we are really productive because it actually turns out that what makes a difference when it comes to agriculture is, is capital stock. We've got really great capital stock, right? So so there's a lesson there. We've overcome the high cost of wage um, uh, issue uh, by having that investment there. And And there's a lesson to be drawn out of all of that. I think that's a really good point, mate. I think it's, yes, I think that's, I'm, I'm going to move on only because we and I can talk forever. So let's not, um, I think we've made the points. You've, you've made it, you've made a very good one. Last one I want to talk about with the, um, with the GDP stuff is, is the household savings rate because yeah. I, <laughs> I, I'm not going to do predictions. I don't do predictions, but I, if you, if you kind of think about roughly where do we think we could be? Uh, one of the things that we've seen, so the, the long run savings rate, the proportion of our income that we save in a given period of time, a given quarter usually, but that's where GDP gets calculated, is only about 6% give or take. In absolute boom periods, believe it or not, it tends to be negative because we all go and spend up big because we think the good times are going to last forever. But it's also the case that in rough times, 
things the same rate falls because we're simply having to pay out more ie for on higher interest rates that kind of stuff the the savings rate was 20 percent during the COVID lockdowns. Why? Because we all got thrown government handouts and we had nowhere to go and nothing to spend. So literally, and of course, people were also nervous about, you know, maybe it's better, better kind of fill up the piggy bank just in case, right? So those mm. things were true. Got to 20%, which is just phenomenal. I'm pretty sure it's unprecedented. Now down to 3.7%, four from 4.4, I think the last time around. Um, now we should always say, I love averages because they give you a snapshot, but the more useful data is always, always, always distributions. So if the average is 3.7, someone's saving 10%, someone's going backwards by 3 or 4%. And that, there's a probably extreme example when it comes to savings. Mm. But generally mm. speaking, that's, that's worth thinking about. Most people somewhere in between. I think, mate, if you look at, uh, by the way, I, I own shares in Adairs. They, they had a terrible sales update recently. Baby Bunting was out this week with something similar. Dramatic, dramatic falls in same-store sales. Um, the savings rate falling, I feel like we are pretty close to a tipping point economically. And I don't mean tipping into recession. I mean tipping into the RBA. I think the RBA has had a lot of work, uh, has had more work to do than maybe most people believed or knew because they were soaking up so much of that savings rate previously. You kind mm. of, if you want people to stop spending, the first thing you do is stop them saving, you know, because that's, you know, I, I can spend 100 and save 10, then I can spend 100 and save five, I spend 100 and save one, spend 100 and save nothing, and then I have to stop spending. And so that's, I think, to some degree where the RBA's had more work than, I will say more than usual, cause just because starting with 20, 20% of savings during COVID, they have a very long slack to take up before they really started having an impact. But just, it does feel to me, mate, there's, there's kind of a couple of data points at the same time without making a prediction. If you ask, where are we? I think it's. I think we're really at that very, 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 um, you know, bleeding edge of 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 actually really starting to have an impact. Where as I said it was it was taking up slack for a while, and I'm not, by the way, some people listening have been struggling for months. So I don't want to suggest that's not true. Again, these are averages rather than distributions, but it does feel to me like we're almost at that point. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I mean, savings are a real buffer. You know, it it allows you to to wear um, various sort of shocks. I think. What do they say? Um, I know it's gendered, but it's sort of hard times make hard men, soft times make soft men type yep. thing. Is it like yep. one of those old? So maybe it's from the Bible. I don't know where it's from. Uh, Homer <laughs> wrote it or something. So someone yep. with you know uh, authority. But I think it's true. Yeah. You know, yeah, and is. and I made the point before. You and I are pushing towards fifty very fast, and it's <laughs> incredibly scary. Yep. Um, We've never worked through. We've never in our adult lives had a had a inflation, uh, a recession, right? Mm. We never have. Yes, yes, yes. In our entire lives, yep. property has done nothing except go to the moon. Yep. Um, and actually, in fact, it's on its way to Pluto as we speak, right? So mm -hmm. it's kind of we we. I, I think what people have done, we we've. What am I trying to say here? We've we've never really had to be. Think about your grandparents who lived in the Grand, uh, the Great Depression, right? Like they were, even in the good times, they would they were as tight as anything. They would save the lard from the chops to use. You know, there was just there was like so many extreme saving measures because that was the environment that they grew up in, mm. and we I don't think have that. So my, I, I guess my thesis is that we we will spend right up until the moment where we can't. And then maybe be surprised when we sort of hit that kind of level. Yeah. Now, a lot of stuff has been masked because it's like, well, okay, I, you don't notice inflation as, as you sort of do when you fill up the car and this, and you shake your fist and you go on. But it's so so uh, diabolically and subtle. And, you know, you, you, get, you, you wear all of that. It's just like, oh, well, okay, I'm spending a bit more than I earn, but look, I've got all this money in the bank. It's fine. It's fine. And oh, gosh, it's all gone. Uh, it's like a South Park meme, and it's gone, and 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 I think it'll be a very rude awakening for for yeah, a, for yeah. a lot of people, and it, it's just it's one of those things that again you can't predict the future, so it's why you want to buffer, and it's like it's been right. nice to have, and we've used it, but now it's kind of used at least on the aggregate level, at, at, mm -hmm. at, at, on the average, it's like well, all it's it's not about a matter of making predictions; it's a statement of fact yeah. that we are far more fragile than we were because we don't have the buffer anymore by definition now maybe yeah, we don't yeah. need the buffer maybe we don't need the buffer and everything will go on its merry way and we'll be fine <laughs> but if we do need the buffer we're going to find it's not there and we're going to find that this is the situation that where you don't really have panics in markets mm. panics maybe not the right word um you don't really have any major corrections in market 
until you get to the point of what I would call forced selling. Mm. I can sit on a loss and I'm pretty pig headed. I know I can sit on a loss. <laughs> that's yeah. a paper loss for, yeah. for a yeah. long time. Right. But once I've lost my job and all my savings are gone, it's like I actually mm. need to pay rent or whatever this, mm. I, I have to sell, I have to sell. Right. Mm. And that's usually when, when bubbles pop, that's usually when things really take a turn for the worse or it's just sort of like it. And the, the worry is, is that, that enough people will get to that kind of point mm. where mm. like that bloke in the AFR I was mentioning before, it's like you whinge and shake his fist all he's like, it's, it's, I've just got to, it's not, a, it's not a question of do I don't I anymore. It's like, I have to sell my house. Which helps yeah. sort of push prices down, which means that someone else tips past. It's like, God, I got to sell my house too, and it's boom, 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 mm. and it's just again, I'm not calling this or predicting this, but I am just saying that 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 scenario is now more likely without a buffer. Yeah, I think that's I think that's absolutely right, and that's I don't know, mate. I think the other problem with you're right that we haven't had a recession for a long time, but I also am reasonably convinced that about seven years is the most that we can actually retain in our in our heads as meaningfully uh, instructive memories. If you look at economic cycles, financial cycles, not exactly seven years. I'm not trying to be a, I'm not trying to say every seven years something happens, but mm. look at the Royal Commission uh, in, in a banking that was now 2017, six years ago, right? Um, Ancient history. And, and we're already, you know, think about Silicon Valley Bank happened. Why? Because in 2016, 2018, wherever it was, uh, the, the then US administration had decided that, that the issues that caused the GFC were no longer such a big deal and we should wind back regulation. I mean, the, these, <laughs> we, we, just, we, just don't, we just don't learn. I think that's, it, it, if it sounds depressing, it probably is. Um, frankly, if we all, you know, speaking of buffers, there's a reason why super has to be compulsory, right? That's <laughs> not because, uh, you know, for any other reason other than we wouldn't do it unless we had to. They, 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 these are the very realities um that that we have to deal with it's why investing is so bloody hard to, to make it about investing for five minutes and in, in a, in a long <laughs> podcast well I, I think the macro has been super useful mate but i think that is if there is a if there is a theme to come out of this for investors and i maybe you want to maybe have to start to think about talking kind of cyclically as well by the way because you know by the time we have this uh, observation that you and I already knew, but comes from the current circumstance. Too late to prepare for them, so maybe we need to start talking about predicting or, or preparing for the next boom rather than maybe the next crash, so we can get ahead and help people out. But the you know the reality of what happens to my company if the economy falters? What happens if the cost of debt goes up? Uh, do I have what happens if I lose my job? What happens if the 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 ability to constrain your lifestyle to allow for a buffer personally, corporately? portfolio wise right do i want to be do i want to be foot to the floor on uh cannabis stocks and then buy now pay that because they're all hot or do i say what happens if i'm wrong here what happens if regulation has changed what happens if the economy falters what happens if and and put it put everything in that that that's the point of diversification in the first place is making sure you are not overly exposed to a particular risk Make sure there is opportunity. Make sure there is, uh, you know, you, you live to fight another day. You know, Buffett said, don't go back to square one. Yep. You know, it is just too bloody expensive and too hard to have to go back to square one because you said, well, I thought it was going to work. And if it worked, it would have been, been great. Like, yeah, it would have, but you don't get a redo. <laughs> you know, you can't say, well, that's right, I'll go back to 21 and start again. You just don't have that opportunity. So yep. the, the, the need to be mindful to, in, in everything in life, but particularly in money, build yourself a buffer. Just yeah. build yourself a buffer, right? I mean, geez, I, I don't want to over-egg this, but, you know, don't drive at 85 kilometers an hour in a 70 zone because you're late for something. Go five minutes earlier. You know, like it's, mm. and that sounds obvious and it sounds ridiculous, sounds trite, I get it. But it's all the same sort of thinking. You know, it's just that idea of, and maybe it is, maybe it's frankly slow down a bit, not, not on the road, but just in life. Mm. If, you're, if, you're, if, you're, if your life is that taught that everything's on just in time, you're absolutely cruising for the point in time which that falls over and you end up in, in some trouble. The only, the only thing I'd correct you on here, which is a very minor point, Please. is that it's not an if, it's a when. Yeah, so you, you right. say, so we, if there's a recession or a, no, it, it's a when. Now, I don't know yes. when yes. or how or the specifics of which, but I, look, you say we can't make predictions. I'll make a prediction. Uh. I say over the remainder of my investing career, and hopefully I'm doing this for a good few <laughs> decades yet, there'll probably be a whole handful of recessions and some of them are really suck. Like just, uh-huh. That's just, I, I don't think that's a bold claim to sort of make. I don't think it's a question of if, but when I make a whole bunch of bad investment. That's going to happen too. Um, uh, I don't know if, but when, but there might be some kind of 
health issue or disruption to my income. I just, right. it's kind 100%. of, it's just, it's just statistically over mm-hmm. the lengths of time of a life. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just, they are inevitable. So, so it's a question of saying, well, like I can't predict it, right? That's the first fallacy to get past. I can't predict it. I can't time it, you know, um, but I can, it's, we often say, don't predict, prepare. And, and what's hard about that is, is that you really fall behind in the good, good times because the, the person who is rewarded is the one who takes the extreme risk. You know, you and I are both at the roulette wheel. You know, our number is spun up. You just bet your life savings and I bet 5%. It's like, well, mm-hmm. we both won. You won a lot more. <laughs> That's right. Now, if it didn't come up, we both right. lost. <laughs> you lost a lot more and you're out of the door. They're kicking you out. I've still got a bankroll that I can keep playing with, right? So it's sort of... That's, that's, that's exactly the way you've got to think. And I just really want to stress the point of how hard it is because the time at which that makes most sense is when at time it feels as though you're being punished for being prudent, you know? So it's sort of, and, and vice versa too. It's, I feel as though certain segments of, of the market is just like, there are people right now who are going to be very much rewarded in the years to come. They're going to look like idiots for a long time. They might suffer some more losses, but we, we actually spoke to it strongly and we spoke to uh, Carlos Gill, the chief investment officer, founder of MicroEquities Asset Management. So they're a, they're a listed fund manager. I'm not trying to give them an, uh, a plug, but, but I just think he really made an interesting comment around all of these kinds of stuff, where, which is, uh, look, we don't even bother looking at any of that kind of stuff. We, want, right. we, 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 we know that there's going to be these issues. There is. And we know that we're going to make a bunch of dumb investments. We are. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't become a question of what if that happens. Like, no, it's going to happen. And so, <laughs> so now we plan accordingly. Yeah. And, and, and you, again, it's, it's sort of like saying you and I are going to bet with a loaded coin. I don't know what the next flip is going to be, but I know if, it, if it's got a 60% chance of coming up heads, I'm just going to play all day long. And I focus on what matters, which is not the individual coin toss, but 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 the odds that are in my favor. And I, I, I implicitly fold into my, my reasoning, the reality of the situation, rather than crossing my fingers and just going, stuff it, everything on black. I think that's a very, very good point. Mate, um, lots, of, lots of challenges with the economy, I think, over the next six or 12 months. Uh, maybe there's a recession, maybe there's not. Maybe we have issues, maybe we don't. Uh, those things will be netted out in time, but I hope our listeners have at least heard. And I guess your other point too, mate, you, you said you know earlier in the pod, our listeners won't make this mistake, but they might, be no, they might know people who, who are. Um, I guess my only, look, you know, we, we don't ask much of our listeners. This thing is free. You don't have to pay for it. You don't have to follow The Motley Fool. You don't have to follow Strawman if you don't want to, though I would highly recommend it. Um, <laughs> Just do us a favor, you know. We're doing this for free. Yeah, we get a bit of brand benefit, I suppose, and Andrew and I are talking to people, talking to ourselves, and each other, and having people listening is a bonus. But um, do us a favor and just pay, pay some of this stuff forward if you can. Um, not never the podcast, right? Just share the podcast if you want. But if you've got people in your lives who are in these situations, um, just have a chat to them. Not don't be, don't be that that guy or that girl, but but have a chat to them and say, look, you know, I heard this thing. Have you heard this thing? Or um, help them with some of the benefit of the wisdom that you've got, not even from this podcast, just in general. But to Andrew's point, I think we have a group of listeners who are unusually smart, unusually switched on, unusually aware of these sort of issues and these sort of topics. And there are, we all know this, we just talked about, there's a whole lot of people out there who think they're doing the right thing, don't know any better, don't have... Uh, someone who knows a little bit more than them uh, to help them through some of these things. I guess, you know, again, without being too preachy, um, just do us a favor and do do your mates a favor, do your family a favor, uh, share some of this stuff with them because it really, I think, we do this because we want to help people uh, and we can only reach the people who listen. Um, every one of our listeners knows, you know, dozens of people we don't know and who don't listen. So I, I guess my just request is if you had the opportunity, please do share some of this, some of these ideas at least. Can um, I? With, with people who are listening. Go on, mate. Yeah. I, so the way I would go about that is, <laughs> trust me, I've learned from experience. Um, <laughs> preaching to people doesn't work, right? No, it just it doesn't. Not. It doesn't work. But I find what is helpful is ask a, a genuine, uh, well-meaning question. Mm. Like, oh, you know, Bob, um, yeah, interest rates are going up. You're going to be talking about it, right? It's, it's around, you're in the barbecue, houses, interest rates, rah, rah. How high could they go before you get in trouble? Just ask, ask questions like that. Nice. How far would your price, would, would, the, would the house have to fall before you're in negative equity? Um, you know, you, you can lay out a story. You're not actually telling them to do anything, but hopefully they, like it might be, uh, I'm not, what do you mean? And it's like, oh, you haven't thought about that. Oh, you know, maybe maybe it's worth just just knowing where you sit. Probably won't happen, but maybe you should just sort of think about it. it, it, it I think it, it it's a it's a more useful prompting to sort of just say, 
how about this? What about that? How are you positioned for that kind of stuff? And they'll, they'll, they'll reach their own conclusions rather than saying, oh, you've really got to do this, right? Like that's, yeah. that's, that's not going to be, people aren't going to be receptive to that. Good advice. Good advice. Uh, speaking of telling people what to do, we will come back. Assuming Andrew's going to join me on Sunday to tell you what, <laughs> tell you what, you what do to do as we, as we answer your questions. Only because you asked. Uh, you know, we're, not, we're not preaching. You are coming to us. Uh, you are sitting in the confession box. No, let's not go too, uh, too uh, analogous there. Anyway, uh, yes, we will come back and answer some of your questions you've asked us to answer. That's, uh, we, we've, we've been given an invitation. That's okay, isn't it, right? Yeah, I think we can go for that. Will you, will you come and tell people what to do on Sunday? I'll come in and, and ask some thoughtful questions. How about that? Until then, full on. Cheers. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under financial services license 400691.